Hi everyone and welcome to this week's podcast. If you've been following me on social media last week, you will notice that I spent every post from Monday through last Friday uh, devoted to alcohol, devoted to writing around the implications, physical and mental, emotional, of alcohol consumption and our dependence on alcohol consumption as a society. Now that's a broad sweeping statement, but um, being in my line of work, it's important to me that we bring attention to everything and that we call everything out. Now today's guest is much more qualified to speak around this area than I am. Um, she talks about her own story, which really adds value and adds an insight to the relationship that something that can be very normal can become out of control very quickly as well. So hopefully you'll help understand it'll help you look at your relationship with alcohol and look at your reasons for drinking alcohol. So I hope you enjoy this ladies. Don't forget to don't forget to send me a message if you have any questions. Feel free to jump at any stage, jump on social media. I'm on most evenings answering questions. Would love to hear from you and give me a wee rating as well. Would love to get a wee rating from you all. Share on socials anything you find interesting and uh, don't ever be afraid to reach out. So enjoy. So hi everybody. Welcome to our podcast with Olivia. Now, before we get started, the reason Olivia is on this podcast is by pure chance. Now, last week, we I did a series about um, alcohol consumption and female health. And I called out and I just I, I just as I said, I'm going to call the whole thing out. And I'm going to talk about something that we tiptoe around. And that's the alcohol consumption, particularly within our demographic, which is middle aged women, 40s, 50s, in that range. And while we were we not absolutely snowed under, as I said, on my socials or Instagram um, insights or Facebook insights were the highest they've ever been. Um, people reading, people engaging, but the sheer volume of messages we got privately were absolutely insane. People divulging a secret that nobody really wants to talk about, that they drink too much alcohol. And so thankfully, Olivia, you popped into my DMs and um, I thought, well, this is brilliant. I am not an expert in this. Um, my expertise lies in getting these ladies into the best ship you've ever been in. And But when it comes to alcohol, there's a whole level of expertise that is well outside my professional remit that I'm very happy to pass over. So, Olivia, I'm going to hand the baton over to you. Let it rip. Let everybody know who you are, what you are and what we're going to talk about today. Oh, hi, Tara. Uh, thanks a million for having me. I'm delighted. Actually, we were en route to Sligo uh, in the car when I was reading all that you were writing. And it just it fe I felt compelled to reach out to you because I suppose this is this is where I come in. Um, so uh, so I, I approach it from two points of view. So my own drinking um, and uh, that. And then so since I've given up alcohol, I've gone back to university to do a course in alcohol studies. So, um, yeah, so I can see it from both points of views. Uh, so I'll just give you a little bit of background about me. So I grew up in the uh, I'm 42 at the minute. Um, I'll be 43 in a couple of weeks. I grew up in the 90s um, became of age, I suppose, in the 90s, started drinking around middle teenage years like everybody else around me, uh, went to college up in Ulster University. And that's where I learned to drink. <laughs> I really learned to drink. Where did you right? go, Olivia? Where, where? Uh, Coleraine. Coleraine. 
colouring. So uh, we like we had a ball and I met people who were incredibly uh, vivacious and who could have a drink as well. So listen, a lot of my life was uh, surrounded by alcohol in terms of like, OK, so there was different phases to it. So early 20s, that kind of coming of age, I had a social anxiety and um, that kind of led me to uh, drink a lot more. I loved the connection with all my friends when I was drinking. So like I was typically drinking like everybody else around me. I suppose fast forward to my uh, kind of late 20s, that's when alcohol really started to become increasingly um increasingly uh dark so like when i with the hangovers and so now i can look back with a lot of more clarity or whatever but my uh drinking caused a lot of mental health upsets let's say so like a massive amount of anxiety a massive amount of low mood and um, th that's just mentally and then physically i would vomit for 12 hours there was just lots of things that alcohol um uh, I, I just I couldn't see that it was so wrong because I was so soaked in this environment. We always drank. It's actually really funny. I'm going to a hen at the weekend and I'm in a WhatsApp group and the WhatsApp group is now buzzing. Actually, here's I am going. Are you, do you want red or white? Do you want red or white or whatever? Because that's what women do when they get together. That's our, our way of releasing our tensions, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I became a mother. And um, again, like I prioritize sleep because if I don't get a lot of sleep, I don't do well. Um, so even so a lack of sleep. And then I was drinking the way I was drinking beforehand. So like the bottle of wine on a Friday night, the bottle of wine on a Saturday night. But I literally couldn't cope. So like the bottle of wine was the anxiety was increasing. The amount of blackouts were increasing. The amount of outrageously shameful things that I was doing were increasing. I was a woman in my late 30s. I was behaving in the ways I had always kind of behaved, but it wasn't aligned with my values anymore. So like yeah. my values as a mother, my values as a woman. And, you know, now I'm off it for the last five years or whatever. And I look back and I go, oh my God, I have learned so much. I've grown so much. So the removal of one thing in my life has led to this absolute gateway of growth. That's all I can, I have grown exponentially since in terms of the clarity that I feel, the motivation. Like I had this impression that I was a lazy person. I, I'm not lazy. There's absolutely nothing lazy about me. I couldn't drink alcohol. It made me feel... Um, it made me feel really shameful. I had loads of regret, but it kept me down. It kept me like stagnant. I would have energy or motivation for nothing because I was literally just recovering from the hangover. Yeah. And yeah. plus with kids as well, it just, they didn't go hand in hand. And, you know, there's a whole uh, culture of this mommy wine culture yeah. that you need alcohol to survive. Yeah, Alcohol is the last thing a new mother needs. That's they right. need support, they need rest, they need sleep, they need nutrition. They don't need blackouts. They don't need alcohol going into their system. It really is the last thing that they yeah. need. Yeah. So, Olivia, in terms of your own personal journey with um with alcohol and, and your re-education in yourself and understanding, and for me, I'm a bit like that on, on a surface level, not obviously as deep as you, but the more I read about alcohol, um, the more and 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 the World Health Organization issued a report there recently, which completely was was a game changer for me. That you know that 
there's no self limit now for women and their risk of breast cancer. So that was that was the game change. That was the leveler. It was like, okay, so not even one drink, and this, no, not even one. And it is for you, I suppose, from a coach's point of view, and what I'm trying to get from my followers to understand is number one the health implications of drinkers. We have two type of drinkers. We have, I have clients who, you know, take a glass of wine and take it or leave it. And they might do that every other week. And then you have clients and you're looking and you're saying, right, you know, there's 14, 1500 calories a week here coming from alcohol. That's a lot of alcohol. That's a lot of alcohol. And it seems to be normalized. And you're trying to teach people how to have a balanced lifestyle and include a little bit of what they want. But at some stage, you know, you're looking and you're thinking, I don't I don't think this is normal and, and to me I, I don't know what normal is you know because our, we're so wrapped up in a culture that drink is part of everything that we do it's everything mm. so I suppose on two levels asking you first what led you to consume so much alcohol that you blacked out and was there a chain of events or a support system around you says right Olivia enough's enough and then I suppose I would also want to glean the information I want to glean from you is the how it affects your health you yeah. know so in your own personal story, Olivia, how, what led you down this path to use this dependence? You know, what, what, what was it? Yeah, so I suppose alcohol is insidious. So it climbs, it inserts itself in your life. Because There's no two ways so, about that. No, because it's so socially acceptable. So if you look at it, like it's classed as a drug, it has been for a long time. It's also classed as a carcinogen, a class one carcinogen. It's the same as asbestos um, and smoking. And then a lot of people don't know that. And it was classed that in the 80s. But um, so it's just it's so insidious. So we see one side of it, like it's so glamorous. We see cocktails, we see expensive wines. We see like at the end of the day, it's all the same like it, it comes down it's all, it's all the same once it goes into your body and when it goes into your body it produces a really harmful chemical a, a toxin um that's really really harmful to us um but i suppose getting back to your original question what made me so i was just drinking like everybody else around me i was just drinking like every person in my social uh, circle all the people i went to university with so people who are now psychologists and doctors and bankers and teachers and you know so like we were all just drinking the exact same way as each other and um, some people might have the cop on to uh, stop but i never knew when to stop so like there, it, this kind of so there's this uh, very um complex neurochemical uh function i suppose that alcohol um that uh, that is caused by alcohol when it goes into your body or into your brain so when i drank i i just felt like i needed more and more to kind of keep that kind of high going you know and that's and i like i said earlier i drank for social connection and i drank for um, because I had a social anxiety as well. And then I suppose just as I got older, I kind of it started to dawn on me that it wasn't agreeing with me. And my husband used to say to me all the time, you know, um, if I got hangovers like you, I wouldn't drink, but I couldn't hear it. And then there was messages in my life all the time saying, you need to stop this. You need to stop this. So I did a couple of 30 day uh 
alcohol-free stints, did it again, did it again, did it again. And then once I was away on holidays, I had really, really gone to town on the alcohol, had a panic attack um, the whole lot. And I think what happened was I had built up all this kind of um, feedback in the months that I had stopped and started, stopped and started. And then I just, it was at the time and I was like, this is it, I'm done. So when I was done, I was done. So I had lots of motivation and like, I'm the self-help queen. I've I've helped myself get over a lot of issues, right? Through reading or uh, meditation or journaling or what, that kind of thing. So I started into a path of that. I did it all by myself. And um, there was a level of motivation. So when alcohol came out, I added loads of things in. So I added consistent exercise. So I added like a good quality probiotic. I added like different hobbies. I started doing new things. I started journaling meditation a lot of those practices came in and then I did a lot of things that would kind of increase my uh, happy hormones or my happy neurochemicals or whatever so I would exercise or I would again like meditate all those things that made me feel happier that yeah. I did and then yeah. you just as time went on I began to realize then I don't need it. I absolutely, because this confidence came out in me that never would have come out in me had I not. I know if I didn't give up alcohol five years ago, I would be stuck and I would be trapped forever in the life that I had created. Olivia, and, how, much, how much alcohol were you drinking at that time? Oh, know? at the end, yeah. I, I would say very little. Like I was maybe drinking six times a year at the end. But in the so I it, it kind of went through. So I had bouts of heavy drinking, bouts of no drinking, bouts of heavy drinking, no drinking. And, you know, and is there a good is there a right and is there a right and a wrong for people listening to this? You know, people always say, well, what's normal? And I go, well, I don't know. I don't know. But in my head, I'm thinking like I decided when I read all the research and the more research and the more studies I was reading, it was easy for me to give up alcohol because I didn't drink that much anyway, you know, yeah. I, you know, I could take it or leave it. Um, and you're looking around you at things and people and you're thinking, wow, you know, everything we do is revolved around alcohol. Everything that we do. Everything. And, Births, deaths, you know, marriages. People say to me, what's normal and what's not? And I'm going, well, I actually don't know what's normal. But if you feel that you need a drink, then is that a dependency? What is a dependency? Is there like a definitive, you know, three bottles of wine a week? To, but what what is dependency what where did you feel you know what you're normal I think everybody's normal is different I don't yeah. know what's right yeah so I was never physically dependent on alcohol so yeah. people use alcohol for a number of reasons generally they use uh, alcohol to start feeling something or to stop feeling something like psychologically and um, if you go into the so it's I suppose alcohol is on a, a, a spectrum so alcohol use disorder and people at the end of the that spectrum are physically dependent on it so that they feel in, to use AA's terms they feel like they're powerless over alcohol so that the, those um, uh, cravings are so intensely physical that that's probably where they need to go to a GP and look to uh, detox medically from that. And then I suppose the other end of the spectrum is that, like yourself, somebody who can take it or leave it. Now, what I discovered that I was in the middle of all this was a grey area drinker. So again, somebody who's not physically dependent on it, but like who who can't just stop at one. 
Okay, so they it might, if you look on the outside, it mightn't look like they have a problem, but internally, that's where it causes a lot of the problems. So what I was talking about earlier, like the anxiety, the low mood, that inner feeling that you know that something's not wrong, something's not right, so that something is wrong. So people kind of know, you know, they know they've had these little uh, inklings in their own head or they've done something or actually it's, it's very funny my dms generally uh get full on either a sunday or a monday morning about people yeah. talking about how they're uh, feeling about alcohol and in middle age right so the majority of people come to me and they say i was at a wedding and I made a show of myself or I puked in front of somebody or I insulted somebody. And I just because I couldn't control myself because there was bottles of wine at the table and I only meant to have one. But I ended up being put to bed or all that kind of stuff. So it's because, you know, middle age means you've got other responsibilities. Drink might go on the back burner. But it's those few occasions a year that we really let go that's when a lot of people come to me and say listen I did this and I'm never drinking again and then would you consider that a problem Olivia is that something we need to address as women as as those behaviors those risky types of behaviors are those something would you deem that a problem um a problem if alcohol is causing problems in your life then it's a problem yeah so there's no like I can't say I can drink six vodkas because somebody beside me might have the genetic predisposition to drink 10 vodkas and they I might be hammered and they might look they might be able to like remember absolutely everything. Yeah. So we're all different. But the, I think the the thing to think about it is, is it causing problems in my life? So am I having a relationship uh, issues? Am I not remembering things? Am I um not behaving in a way that is aligned with my values so like I know that sounds very wordy or whatever but no it doesn't it makes perfect sense like your values are like they could be kindness or like that you always show up I found that as soon as I gave up alcohol that I was I was showing up and I that's very American showing up as in I was true to my word okay Before I would flake off, oh God, I'm in bits. I can't do that. I can't meet her. I'll text her and tell her I won't be able to meet her or whatever. Whereas now I'm true to my word. I will be there because there's no block. So there's nothing that will block me or um, put a veil over me or like we're dumbing ourselves down with that. And you're numbing your and you're numbing whatever the feeling of pain that it is, you know. And alcohol is a bit like over consuming food. It's, It's an addiction and... And, you know, I have clients come to me because they're they're eating too many calories and they're not eating them out of hunger because they're not hungry for these calories. They're trying to push down and shovel down emotions that they don't want to feel rather than feeling the emotion, dealing with the emotion. I always say like a diet's like a stick and plaster holding back a dam. You got to get the foundations of the dam. You got to get the foundations of your feelings and what's happening. Why are you feeling that's where's it coming from? Deal with that. Deal with the trauma first. Deal with and deal with the issue you know, rather than over consuming food, over consuming alcohol. And I, I send so many people away from my program and refuse them on because they have issues that's going on in their life. A diet won't fix it. They need yeah. to deal with the issue first. Yeah. And they need to deal with their emotions and whatever trauma or a psychological issue that they're having to cope with. Food is just something that they've used as a coping mechanism and a method to soothe, to self-soothe. Yeah. And I think for alcohol too. And, and you know, 
like even on a Friday night there on a Saturday night and you're knackered I know for me that would have been oh just a wee glass or making the dinner on a Friday night I love my wee glass of wine making the dinner on a Friday night I would love that and again you're making that association with relaxation and alcohol or somebody pisses you off you had a shit day what's the first thing you do you open a bottle of wine with a glass of wine it's, like, it's the first as I would say the first one's the nicest the second one's okay and after that you don't really taste it you know it's only the first two glasses but you know your connection you're drinking alcohol because of a feeling and um you're it's about finding a new coping mechanism and for me you know I, I would always people say to me what is normal and you know should I be drinking every day and, and then you hear reports people saying well, you better have one drink every day rather than binge drinking at the weekend so what's right and what's wrong Olivia so well it, it, there a lot of countries are actually rethinking the alcohol intake guidelines at the minute and Canada has been one of the first ones to actually revise it so based on research that came out of an organization out there they have reduced it down to two drinks a week yeah so uh you know when something happens in one country then loads of other yeah. countries um uh, decide to cause it so two drinks is what it's at in canada that's um, that's, that's low compared to here Olivia, isn't it oh yeah it's very low i think are we at 14 units here 14 units which is a bottle and a half of wine yeah so as go like you mentioned earlier the world health organization and then the um, cancer research fund they both say well the world health organization say that none there is yeah. no safe level of alcohol and then um the other one says that uh, less is more but none is better so yeah. that's from a, a cancer point of view so yeah. and you had mentioned breast cancer like all anybody needs to do is like go on to google and find even when i so i was off alcohol four years and then um i designed my own workshop and i deliver that now to women and um, generally women um around kind of middle age as well to help them to give up alcohol and when i began to do the research to, in that i was like what i couldn't believe it because obviously the reasons i gave up alcohol were completely different so when i really went and looked at all the research and all the studies and there's a lot coming out now Whereas we didn't have this information five, six, ten years ago. Yeah. It's all seems like there was the global burden of disease study. There was a, an Oxford study a couple of months ago. So there's loads of uh, research coming out now just to say that alcohol is absolutely that there's no benefits to drinking alcohol whatsoever. Yeah. And I think I think as well, it's, it's a, people cope to relieve stress. But it just makes the stress ten times worse. It makes the anxiety ten times worse. And yeah, you know, I know from from in my business and my line of work, you know, no alcohol is better. If if you can't stop at one, take none. <laughs> Forget yeah. about it. And yeah, um, you know, it's the same with chocolate. If you have an addiction to chocolate, don't eat the chocolate. Just don't don't eat it. Don't put yourself. Yeah. In it. But again, you're having to create a toolkit and a series of strategies to allow yourself. To ease yourself through that transition and and you know for me we, we had this conversation on one of our workshops internally and i was going to make out a list of the benefits of not drinking make out a list of what drinking gives you make your decision based on that list absolutely so that's what i do in my workshop as well so you uh, there's a list of it's like the cost benefit analysis. So yeah. what's it costing you and how is it benefiting you? So like, what does alcohol give me in my life? 
and what does it take away? And absolutely, I've never had a person ever who has said, I get more from alcohol than it takes away. So it's it's it, they're like I have one. There's probably one plus one pro to drinking alcohol, and there's fifteen cons. You know, so just getting people aware. So it's building self awareness. So like obviously, if they come to you and they're talking about alcohol, obviously if people come to me and they're talking about alcohol, they're at the stage now where they're they are contemplating. They're ready to take action and they're ready to change. So, but if they're in the pre-contemplation phase, they don't know this. But if they know that it's beginning to be a problem, then there's loads and loads of things that they can do. It's incredible because this happened, you know, what what had happened was a series of my clients, and this is how the whole thing had emerged. You know, when you're working with a client, I get to see what they're eating because they keep usually a food diary for the first while in their program to help them, you know, get more things, more nutritious foods into their diet. And when you have somebody who's not losing weight and their food diary is not representing the change that should be represented in their body, you know, there's something amiss somewhere. So after digging a while and digging a while, your, your people are then telling you, well, well, you know, I was too embarrassed to put my wine in and I'm going, well, there's not much point doing this. And then when I say put it in, you know, I can only coach you if you're being honest with yourself firstly, but I need to see this stuff to be able to help you. And what it transpired in my line of work was there's a certain amount of guilt, shame and embarrassment. Mm. There's a lot of women who are leading what you would on the outside, you would deem perfect lives, they have amazing jobs, they have beautiful homes, beautiful, successful families, but they're pretty much functioning alcoholics. And when you dig deep and when they tell you and you're realizing, oh, flip, I, she was saying, you know, and they're telling you what they're drinking then and you're looking and you're thinking, I, I don't think this is normal. You know, I, and in terms of the, the recommended guidelines for alcohol, this is certainly not normal. It's not good for your health. I know that for sure. Um, but maybe this is outside my professional remit in terms of how I should be advise, advising this. And, and in many cases, I've had to get clients to go and say, look, I've, you, you, this is something you may need to seek advice on professionally yeah. from yeah. somebody who knows what they're doing. And in many cases, you know, particularly over the last year and a half, I've had many clients who've had to abandon their programs because they've had a dependence on alcohol and were hiding it from me, yeah. the coach. Only yeah. I was digging deeper and I was saying, there's something not adding up here. There's something yeah. not adding up. Um, and when you dig deeper, you find out, right, okay, this is happened. But once I verbalized this and wrote blogs about it, oh my God, they came out of the woodwork. I yeah, absolutely. They came so, out of the woodwork. And we yeah. all know somebody, a friend or a family member, probably who drinks too much alcohol, but they're, they're never going to admit to themselves. You know, but it's just, it absolutely blew me away. Mm. It's, it's like a freaking pandemic. It's like a, oh, yeah. like, wow this is actually real this is happening this is and people are like saying i'm so glad you're identifying this because in their head they're thinking i have a dirty little secret and yeah and it's it. exactly and it's the shame the guilt and shame, regret yeah. that's so if we look at how alcohol is marketed so <clears throat> all the alcohol companies say things like drink responsibly so they don't they put the onus back on the drinker so it's back to you to drink this responsibly. So then people get the message that I'm the problem. So I can't hold my alcohol properly. So I'm the problem because of all the messaging that they get. And there's such shame and guilt around it. Now, I've experienced like 
a world of guilt and shame around us. Now I've worked through all of that. So I don't say anything anywhere publicly that I haven't actually gone through either with my husband or my therapist or whatever. But I've literally dealt with all of the shame that that caused. And the thing is, what's holding people back is the shame that they feel like I yeah. hear it and you see it as well yeah. like I hear it I'm so even there's a lot of people who want to come on workshops and keep the um keep their cameras off because they're so ashamed yeah. of their behavior yeah. but then they're in a room with 10 15 20 other women who have exactly the same shame yeah. who have exactly the same thing and if we go back to let's say the 1980s right so in the middle of the 1980s all the um alcohol companies in america came together because sales were uh, uh fallen so they said what can we do and who can we target to drink alcohol so that's when the invention of the alcopops came about so that's what i started drinking so those if you look at them they're so they look so kid friendly the, the woodies and the hooch and all that that's what i started yeah. drinking back in the day so they were they were looking to get other people hooked on alcohol then there was the pink my drink phenomenon so uh gin went pink other drinks went pink <laughs> so that all the drinks went pink to get women to drink more and like the um, the rates of women addicted to alcohol in the last 20 years have gone up 80 yeah. percent so women there's an incredible book it's actually 10 years old uh around this time by a lady called Anne Dyson Johnson and she wrote a book about women and alcohol uh it was called drink 10 years ago and she examined all of this and it's it's gone through the roof even since then uh just you know um there is a doctor in Beaumont Hospital here in Dublin, and he was saying that there was more patients in in Beaumont um, during the pandemic with liver disease than there was with COVID. So, and, and then with the pandemic as well, that's when people's alcohol uh, really yeah. changed. So I had somebody on a workshop and that's the that's the line that was crossed with her. So that was the like the Friday or Saturday night drinking became the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday yeah. night drinking because yeah. effectively then because we had no work or nowhere to go, they that we started drinking from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. And I wasn't drinking during uh, COVID. And I know my husband would have said, had you been drinking, we would have been drinking every night of the week. So like that really, really changed people's alcohol consumption patterns. Yeah and yeah. changed it and like we said earlier it's that insidious piece it just creeps up on you so you keep developing more and more and more tolerance yeah. and one day you have this extreme tolerance and a dependence so it's about recognizing for women to recognize like okay what is it doing for me and if i if i choose to take it out like i'm doing a sober october um challenge uh, starting the 1st of October so we're we're looking we're going to meet on the 1st of October and again on the 31st of October give up alcohol for those 30 days and see where we at where we're at like and there's immense not even pressure from yourself but there's immense pressure everywhere you go to drink alcohol so mm -hmm. like the uh, I teach a, a there's a part in my workshop and it's drink refusal skills so like we I teach adults how to refuse a drink 
And Olivia, at the amount of messages I got about that, women saying, you're shamed now if you aren't drinking. What's wrong with you? That's so true. So true. So if you look at, let's say, the the level of peer pressure. So I let's say I go into the pub and I tell my friends I've given up cigarettes. What's going to be the reaction? Oh, Olivia, you're doing great. You're amazing. That's fab. Good for you. You've made a health based decision. It's we know it's hard, but good for you. You go in and say, I've given up alcohol. What? Oh, my God. What are you thinking? Is there something wrong with you? Are you an alcoholic? Are you pregnant? Like there's just it's 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 <laughs> I know. so it's it's mad because I had put the post up last week and there's so many women send me, oh, Tara, that's great. I, you know, I'm, I support you on your journey. <laughs> Do women send me, Tara, I think they think that you've got an alcohol problem. Yeah. And, but even, and, yeah. you know, because I because I have decided to give up alcohol, you know, and for me, it's it's not it's about my health it's about my productivity it's about my energy it's about like I, I was saying Olivia on my on my stories there last week the reason that the the, the final nail in the coffin for me was the World Health Organization mm. report but I found that even one glass of wine if I had a glass of wine on a Friday night I could trace it back and then my sleep pattern my, I was waking up in the middle of the night maybe four o'clock in the morning just ping and I couldn't trace it back to anything only the glass of wine. And when I took that one, just one glass of wine out, I was sleeping perfectly. One yeah. glass of wine had such an yeah. impact on my sleep, especially in menopause. Yeah. Um, whether that been in my 30s, I don't know, my 40s, I don't know, but certainly in my 50s. I, and it was enough for me to say, do you know what? I For what I do, I just give it up. Just give it up. And yeah. honestly, my sleep has never been better. Um, and, and I then, but but people seem to have the opposite Olivia, I, you know, when I said this, people were going, oh, God, no, I can't sleep without wine. I can't sleep yeah. without alcohol. I find it really hard. And I, think, I can't sleep with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And alcohol does. It affects sleep in that you don't reach that really um, deep sleep. So it's it's a central nervous system depressant. So it depresses us. So it's kind of like a, fa- a false positive in that it makes us feel relaxed at the beginning, but then there's that urge then to drink to drink more. And then it disturbs your sleep patterns. So yeah. in, in terms of them saying like it, so it will give them the uh, perception that it helps them sleep. But if you really look at their sleep patterns, they're probably not getting into a deep sleep. Yeah. So it's not the reparative sleep that they're getting and they're probably waking a few times a night as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially that kind of three o'clock. It's generally five after five hours after you fall asleep that you get, you know, you start waking up in that in that restless, non-reparative, you know, uh, sleep. So it, it's probably, you know, it's I read a book called um what's it called uh we are the luckiest by laura mckeown and she had said if uh we all use alcohol as a crutch what we need to really look at is why we're all limping so like we're using alcohol to be more social to be more confident to be to help us sleep or whatever but why can't we do that by ourselves i know yeah and that's the beauty of what happened to me when i gave it up like this and I it absolutely was really hard in the beginning I had this real dark night of the soul and I was like who am I now if I don't drink and you know but now I just this confidence has emerged that I can't it's just it's a reclamation of who I've always been that alcohol kept really really deely down and it's just it's it's so 
I, I feel like shouting it from the rooftops or whatever, but you can't because it's so insidious and yeah. it's it's so shameful and it's so widely accepted. You know, you had said we celebrate, like, so we celebrate, commiserate everything with alcohol. Do you and think if it's you, just an Irish thing, Olivia, or is this, no, is this a common thing worldwide? Yeah, it's, so I have people from, I have a lot of people who come to the workshops from the UK. I've had people from Australia, America, and it's it's absolutely worldwide. It's, it's the, worldwide in terms of in the Western world, you know. So if you look at how alcohol is represented on TV, it's like the girls from Sex and the City drinking the Cosmopolitans. It's so glamorous. We never saw Carrie Bradshaw with her head down the toilet puking after six. And she, a tiny little thing that she is, she would probably have only able to have one or two. Um, but we never see the other side of it. We don't see the violence. We don't see the uh, blackouts. We don't see the arguments. We don't see like the really, really harmful part that we all know so well. Yeah. Like you literally cannot throw a stone in Ireland without, oh yeah, her poor daddy is an alcoholic and he died. And like, we all have a, a collective trauma around uh, drinking too much. And it then we're, known the world over as being uh drinkers but then we're turning that on its head in that like they, they, there was legislation just passed um about putting warning labels on alcohol cancer warning labels and ireland is one of the first countries who, who are doing that so at least uh lawmakers are looking at the research that's coming out and changing laws around public health so yeah. you know they're making decisions based on um, what's best for people and what's best for the public, you know? Yeah, I also think that as women get older, they get become a little bit more vulnerable. Like I coach yeah. women, they're they're vulnerable and they're yeah. they're 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 suggestive in terms of they're easily influenced. And when you're easily influenced and you're vulnerable, it's like, and it, this absolutely cracks me up. The memes, uh, you know, friends drinking a giant uh, drinking a giant glasses of wine mummies need their wine and and all these memes which just fade into that vulnerability Absolutely. it becomes yeah. accepted this is what we do this is fun aren't we fun you know almost like it's like a regeneration of the ladette culture do you remember the Absolutely. ladette culture? yeah I was, and it's almost like yeah. a resurgence but now the ladettes are middle-aged women in their menopausal years who are fucking struggling to keep their shit together and thinking that alcohol is the and they are struggling and there's and eventually there comes a day of reckoning olivia you know for all of us i do believe absolutely absolutely and i can't say so my day of reckoning was preceded by a few really stupid ridiculous situations that i got myself into like falling over and impaling my face against a uh a sink in a hotel and falling over and thinking I was going to die from a head injury and like all these really ridiculously stupid things that no in my view of what a 37 year old mother of two who was very successful in all other aspects of her life I shouldn't have been doing that you know and I shouldn't and now I look back and it was that kind of I, I I liken it to a pebble, a pebble, a brick. So my life was telling me, you can't do this, you can't do this. And then it became such an intense force that I said it was like a brick to the face where it was like, you need to stop this ridiculous behavior because you're the one suffering. So yeah. always on my workshops as well, there's women coming on and they all have a friend, right? There's that one girl, Martina, I like to call her, right? And there's like, but Martina always makes me drink. Martina always says I'm no crack if I'm not going to drink or, you know, 
But like, is Martina going to be holding your hair there the next morning when you're vomiting down the sink? Is Martina going to be, you know, hugging you in the middle of the night when you're absolutely at your lowest ebb? You know, we have to make, nobody is going to fly into our lives and mm-hmm. save us. We have to save ourselves. I totally love it. And then, you, you know, a lot of these women have kids who are watching us. Mm. And that, you know, monkey see, monkey do. It's a template, you know. I'll say. give you a little, uh, I, I'll give you a little anecdote about that. So I have an eight-year-old son. And last Mother's Day, he came up with a card. I They came up with coffee in bed and he gave me a card. And on the front of the card was a glass of wine, red wine. But he put a little thing saying no, al- no alcohol. Right. So I'm he's eight. So I'm not drinking five years. So he was three when I gave up alcohol. So he wouldn't have seen me ever drunk. He would I'd say I was maybe drunk. I don't know, 10 times in those three years or whatever. And he was a, would have always been in bed. But how did that child know that moms drink wine? How did he know his mom doesn't drink wine? So he, whatever culture, like, was he sitting in school and somebody else was drawing a glass of wine? Did he see it on TV that moms drink wine? You know, so like he was getting a message somewhere outside of this house. Yeah. You know, and when you look at it, um, like, so how are people who don't drink represented in the world? Like when you say to people, people who don't drink are, you could say, they say boring, no crack, dry shites waste of time make me feel like shit you know so they have people who don't drink have a horrendous reputation but I'm not boring I'm not dry I'm just somebody who decided to do something out of the ordinary and the gas thing is so I was telling you earlier I went to university in Ulster uh in up in Coleraine so of like we were all we all loved an hour drink and going to Kelly's on a, a Wednesday night but of the uh all the girls I went to college with five of them aren't drinking now and then me so like we have all realized so it's not just me feeling like this everybody's feeling like this like your martina even though she's forcing you into drink on the night out or all the wine martina feels like shit the next day because it's physiologically impossible not to and this (laughs) is a lie that we've been told for years and years and years we've only been uh shown one side of the story and that's the glamour we haven't shown the generational trauma the addiction i mean like the shit that goes down in homes where there's addiction like severe alcohol addiction it 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 isn't you know it's it's not a pretty sight whereas we never see that no we we don't don't. it's hidden behind closed doors it's a it's like the old irish you know thing to do let's hide it it's a guilty it's a dirty little secret we'll hide it and nobody will know and we'll paint this picture of perfection and happiness when the absolute wheels are off the wagon and yeah. um and then you're that that just intensifies it even further and you know it's oh, it's for me I'm, I'm just so glad i brought it up because you know it's there it's real and nobody wants to talk about it yeah, that's it. But everyone wants to talk it. about it, you know. And, and so like I, I had, I had a client there recently, and she laughed when I said this to her. You know, she and, and I'm very straight, Olivia. I don't. I just say what has to be said. Um, and and this client was organic, and she was gluten free, and she was this free, and all these frees and all this, and you know, she was drinking about ten gins at the weekend. And I said, "What is the fucking point?" You yeah. do that. Yeah. You know, can't eat the sugar. 
you'd be better yeah. off eating the sugar and eating the bread than exactly. absolutely ignoring yourself every weekend. You know, and there's there's loads of research. You're not to pay Paul. You know, as yeah. a, as it a, you know, why why? Because you will be you will be your life will be better eating the sugar and eating the gluten than doing this to yourself every weekend. This is yeah. not healthy. Getting yeah. a balance in your life where you can give yourself some sugar and it's okay if your apple isn't organic and 50p dare, just eat the fucking apple. Believe you me, you're going to give yourself better quality food than doing what you're doing now. But there's some sort of disconnect gap there. And, and I do believe it's, it's our environment is so conducive to, you know, alcohol and, you know, you would never turn around because I always say, you would never turn around and say to anybody, oh God, you know, it's okay to say to somebody, you're a skinny bitch, but it's not okay to say so to somebody, oh my God, frick, you've piled the pounds on, frick, mm. you've got the timber on there. It's not okay to say that. And it's it's not okay to say to somebody, Jesus Christ almighty, you've had like two bottles of wine there, kill them down. But yeah. it's all right to say to somebody, Jesus, what's happened to you? You've got born in your old age, you're not drinking. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Why is that? Oh, so if you look at how alcohol is marketed, so it's there is what was the figure now? In 2023, is it something like seven billion dollars is spent on alcohol advertising? So it's about four hundred and fifty dollars per person who actually is is of drinking age and who is a drinker. So if you see so it's alcohol in society, so it's alcohol and TV, alcohol messages, pro-social drinking memes are slipped into um, uh, uh, are slipped into social media. Oh, I'm going to drink, you know, all these. So it's everywhere that we go and it's largely caused by alcohol advertising and what they have decided to plow money into if you look at 50 years ago so where could you buy alcohol 50 years ago in an off license how often could you buy it there was very distinct opening hours so you could only buy it between whatever times where can you buy alcohol now everywhere mm -hmm. you can buy it in ikea you can buy it in the cinema you can buy it in the supermarket. Like it's absolutely everywhere. Your local shop, it is, it's absolutely incessantly shoved in our you're faces. Right, you're so right about that. So it's, it's everywhere. And then when something is everywhere, it becomes normalized yeah. and we all think it's fine. And, and that there's not a culture of saying, Hey, hold up a second. I'm not fine because what, what again, what has been done is the responsibility has been pushed straight back onto the person. And it's a case of, oh, God, I'm the only one feeling like this. Yeah, they're not because there's absolutely uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people feeling like this all the time. Yeah. So what what advice then just to wrap up, um, Olivia, what advice if people are listening back to this? Um, what advice would you give them if they realize maybe I am drinking too much, I would like to cut down or maybe cut it out? What advice would you give them? So if they've done that kind of initial piece of even just writing out in a piece of paper, what does alcohol give uh, give in my life and what does it take away? They've written that down. So next thing, set yourself a challenge. OK, so about 100 days from now, we'll be just around uh, New Year's Eve, around um uh, like the new year so if you set yourself a 100 day challenge 
right? Because obviously then uh, when you begin something new, about 100 days makes it become a, ha a habit. Uh, you're going to change uh, lots of neural pathways, okay, in that time. So if you then set yourself the challenge, so you're taking one thing out, but you need to put things in, okay? So you need to start, like you said there, journaling, meditation, exercising at the time. Maybe even if you don't, if you still have that, you know, you were saying earlier, the joy of like um, pouring a bottle, a glass of wine on a Friday yeah. evening, get a fancy no-seco, get something like that. So you still have the routine. So yeah. you still have the sense of occasion. Just it's, almost, it's, it's like a ritual. You become, you become addicted to the ritual, the yeah. nice glass. And in the winter, in the summer, I would pour myself, I would buy a really nice bottle of rosé and you pour it in and I would leave it. It's, it's like a ritual. I have a little ritual with it. Pour it yeah. in and let it sit until it gets really cold and the glass sort of ices and frosts up a wee bit. And then, yeah, that looks amazing. I'm going to drink that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ritual. It's terrible. That's exactly. Terrible. But there's, there has never been a better time. This is in the in the collective consciousness. It's everywhere. I was driving to work this morning and I was uh, sending my friend who lives in Australia a voice note. And as I was driving by the local pub, there was an ad for Zero Zero Beer. I don't know what, what brand it was. But like if that's outside my local pub, like there, it's everywhere. So you, you don't have to be pouring the rosé. You can pour the fake rosé or yeah. the... Oh, I, I've been doing favorite. I've been doing that like I love Guinness is my favorite drink and okay I um I, I drink the Guinness Zero and like I've been out me and my husband would go to our local bar and I would be standing with a pint of Guinness and nobody ever questions you yeah you know, exactly and it's completely alcohol free nobody would ever ever question you so you don't have to you don't have to answer not that I would feel I have to justify myself to anybody but you don't have to ask the answer the questions and you have yeah. one or two drinks and I don't think you could drink any more than one or two alcoholic drinks anyway but yeah. You know, and you're still nursing it and you're still having the crack. You're still getting to socialize with people, see people, your friends, you know, who maybe you haven't seen in a few weeks. And you're 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 getting into the car and you're driving home and you're getting into bed and you're having a full night's sleep when it just doesn't have that. Because I always think as you get older, every day is valuable. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to waste your day on a Sunday and your kids, maybe they're, if you're working full time, their wee day. Maybe to plan something out and go and do something if you're going to lie and die with hangover all day on a Sunday. What a yeah. waste of your life. What a waste of a, an amazing gift of life in a day in your life. And what a waste of your potential. I know. So you're dampening down the core essence of who you are. There's, yeah. you know, there's a lot of research coming out around um, alcohol and, and gut, like so your uh, gut microbiome and, and the damage it's doing there. But where do we get all our signals about how our life is going? Through the gut. Yeah. our good feelings so if that's dampened down if that's not working properly because of the alcohol that we're drinking how do we know if we're going in the right direction yeah you know how do i know how do we know if if we're feeling happy or you know yeah. a lot of people report when they give up alcohol they get this incredible joy about the tiny things in life yeah. that's what happened yeah. to me so like the tiniest thing i was driving the car a couple of weeks ago and a granny i'd say she was about 95 waved at me I didn't know her and she just waved at me and just the look at her face and the dotiness of her made me cry <laughs> happy to be in the world with you granny <laughs> do you know but it's yeah. the tiniest things give yeah. you it's not the big nights out because like they've lost all their sparkle as well it's the it's the sunsets or it's yeah. the little hand that you know yeah. 
arms around yours. It's the little kiss. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the tiny things, you know, because we get into middle age and our life is probably a lot more underwhelming than we thought it would be. It's a Mm. lot more boring. It's a lot more lunch making. It's a lot more what are we having for dinner today? But like the way we're taught and uh, conned, gaslit nearly into thinking you'll make it better is by pouring the wine or pouring the Prosecco. And it's a false positive. It doesn't provide this. It makes us feel like shit. It makes us look like shit because we're puffy and it's actually the last place when you're hungover. It's the last place that um, uh, nutrients go because they're all rushing to get to eliminate the alcohol out of your body. So you look puffy, you look fine lined, it ages you, you know. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And Olivia, for anybody out there who, who maybe acknowledges that they have a problem, is there a safe space or a safe place for them to visit? Is there a website? Is there a helpline? Is there anything that people can reach out to? Yeah, so there's a couple of different places if they feel like it's a dependence and that they might. So I always recommend that people go to their GP and there's AA, there's an organization called Smart Recovery. That's if they feel they're on the dependence line. And if they feel they might be a gray area drinker like me, get in touch with me. I'll attend a workshop. Absolutely. But if not, if you feel you can do it alone, I did it alone. I did it by myself. Right. So quit lit. So get all the books out there that people have written about how they've quit alcohol. There's loads of podcasts out there. There's loads of sober accounts on Instagram. Like there's loads of stuff that they can reach. All they have to do is everyone has a phone. We're in a technological revolution everyone can find this stuff out and they'll find stuff that appeals to them the type of people who um that their message resonates with them or whatever but they just need to go on a little fact finding mission and see see what they can find but start with the maybe the books and the podcasts and see how you go after that brilliant olivia thank you so much and just before we go where can people find you instagram handle your website Yeah, so I'm in the middle of this is this is all a very new uh, experience for me. So I only uh, set up my Instagram last year. So it's at Gray Area Drinker and a a website is on its way. So I'll let people know. Very good. Olivia, I'm so glad you reached out to me on my DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Delighted to be able to have this chat and have this frank and honest conversation to women like ourselves who are sitting there wondering. And and thank goodness we're we are most of us are health seeking. And we want to improve our lifestyle we want to improve our health so you know as i always say this is without judgment um it's it's about doing what's right for you and 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 getting support if you need it not being afraid to ask for help yeah absolutely and and do not feel shame around it no because we've all walked the road you know and and shame diminishes your um ability to get help so and understand that there you are absolutely not alone. There are thousands, if not millions of women feeling exactly like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Lavea, look, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Thanks a million, Tara.